Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I learned that there are 7,000 rare diseases out there in the world. 80% have genetic origin. Could you tell us about the specific rare diseases that Rocket Barmore is focusing on and the impact in these areas? Definitely. So of the 7,000 diseases, unfortunately, most of them are impacting kids. And about 30% of them that impact kids, these kids don't even make it to the age of five. So at Rocket, we're working on different gene therapy platforms to approach the heart, as well as the blood disorders, if we can make these diseases and drug development happen in a clear benefit risk arena, and we can chip away at those 7,000 diseases for which only about 10% of them actually have a treatment option available right now. So one step at a time, our goal is to do it not just at Rocket, but our goal is to share what we've learned as best practice across the industry academic institutions, because we need everyone to succeed to really make a big dent for patients that need it. There is no hood like parenthood. Hi, I'm Kanika Chadda Gupta. I'm a former CNN journalist, mom of three, including twins, and host of That's Total Mom Sense, the podcast. Now, if I had a dollar every time I heard, gee, you have your hands full. On my show, I interview change makers on their life lessons, legacy, and superpower of intuition, which I call our mom sense and dad sense. I've had the privilege of working with Mom 2.0, March of Dimes, and the White House, and have had some pretty amazing parents on my show. Hey, what's up? I'm Kelly Rowland. Hi, this is Chelsea Clinton. It's me, Bobby Brown. Can't wait to share my story. That's Total Mom Sense is a production of the Evergreen Podcast Network. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and on YouTube so you never miss an episode. To join my tribe, visit thatstotalmomsense.com and follow me on Instagram at Kanika Chadda Gupta. Now let's dive in to today's episode. International Rare Disease Day is held annually on the last day of February. On this day, we advocate for improved access to treatment, care, and support for individuals living with rare diseases and their families. Rare diseases, also known as orphan diseases, impact millions of people worldwide. Today, I'm joined by Kinnery Patel, President and CEO of Rocket Pharmaceuticals, to share her journey and the scientific advancements that are being made to eliminate rare diseases. Kinnery has 15 years of rare disease research and development experience, including in regulatory science, pharmacovigilance, policy, and quality compliance, gained at leading pharma companies, including AstraZeneca, Bristol-Myers Squibb, Novartis, Hoffman-LaRoche, and Pfizer. She has led both small molecule and biologic development programs from phase one through phase four across multiple therapeutic areas, including immuno-oncology, oncology, respiratory, virology, transplantation, and metabolism. Kennery received dual degrees of BS in biology and doctorate of pharmacy from the U.S. Sciences in Philadelphia. She completed a two-year postdoc regulatory affairs fellowship through Rutgers, an executive MBA from NYU Stern, and most recently, she graduated from the C-suite Harvard Business School Advancement Management Program. 
In her spare time, Henry has a passion for mentoring, teaching, and volunteering for nonprofit organizations, and spending time with the toddler. Henry, welcome to That's Total Mom Sense. Thank you so much for having me. I love the name of the podcast and all the work you're doing. I think it's phenomenal. Even when I got pregnant a few months, a few years ago, people said, oh, after having a kid, of course, you're going to just be a housewife and you're going to stop working. And, you know, this notion, this day and age that we can't do it all still exists. So I love the fact that you're amplifying and giving platform to moms that are doing amazing things in all different walks of our life. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And we can't wait to hear your story. And I'm sure there's so many listeners who are in pharma, so it's really going to resonate with them. But let's start from the beginning. Tell us a bit about your childhood. So I was actually born in a, a small village in Basad in India. And I love my mom. She went to college to become a teacher. And the times in India, in, in, in remote regions of Gujarat, it was tough to be a married woman, have kids, and be a teacher. And that was almost a no-no. So my parents, while they were a successful middle-class family, they said, you know what? For our daughters to have a life of whatever they want to have and full independence, we need to migrate to the United States. So I love the fact that my parents came here, gave up everything. I think they came with like $20, $25, worked in various places and I'm what they went through and the struggles they went through to just give us, all three of us, my two sisters and I, education and opportunities was phenomenal. So my childhood is defined by two factors that my parents and my grandparents taught us. One, education could really make a world of a difference and it could open up so many opportunities for you. And number two, no matter what you do, you have to leave the world a better place. Whatever you're going to do, you have to give back in spades and make it a better world. And those two philosophies have really guided my way to even trying to become an American, Americanized Indian kid. And it was just a very interesting journey outside of Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. What was really cool is in 11th grade, I'm supposed to graduate high school. And I wasn't ready to graduate because I wanted to like go to prom and be a prom queen and, you know, class president, all these things. Right. right <laughs> so, yeah. Like, can I see my parents who are very much into education? Can I stay back a year? All I have to do is gym class. But instead, if I apply to a medical program at Hershey Medical School, they take few students, four students a year from that region of two hour radius. And if I get into that program, will you let me just stay in high school one more year? And they're like, okay, it's an elite program. And I got into this amazing program at Hershey Medical School, where it's actually medical center, which has school on the side. And every day I got to go and shadow different doctors throughout the entire hospital, see heart surgeries, see amazing things, and also see the fact that in 1998, I was surprised to see how many people were still suffering with the basic medical illnesses that should have been better taken care of. So that kind of fueled my fire of trying to make healthcare my mission and vision to make things better for patients and people around the world. Wow. I wish that there were kind of externship programs like that for students now. And I'm so glad that, you know, you use that as a springboard for what you're doing now because you were so resourceful as a teen. But I think it really shapes, you know, your holistic view of what a workforce looks like, what the healthcare industry looks like, and you get to actually be hands-on. It definitely was defining. And I think we do need to do better job as an industry, as adults, to give back opportunities to kids and expose them to so many hands-on things beyond just college or high school or middle school curriculum. 
And I think we, we need to do a better job in, at Rocket. We're attempting to do a better job. Yes, yes. And I mean, you, I feel like, are just a model child <laughs> having pursued medicine, but really being passionate about it. You weren't doing it to just, you know, please your parents or check a box. And I think because you got that hands-on experience and exposure early on, you knew what you were getting into. Tell us about kind of those early days of your career. Early days, I, when I was doing my dual degree, I started at University of Sciences because I loved doing genetics research. And I felt like we can find better drugs by just designing better drugs based on the diseases and mechanism of action. And the professors didn't know what to do with me. So the dean of a pharmacy school was really grateful to the fact that I started a dual degree program, which was in the history of Philadelphia College of Pharmacy, the oldest pharmacy school. This was a very unique approach. With and me. so he said, you know what, as one of the gifts, I'm going to have you do a rotation at the FDA. And at the time, I was all set up to do a two-year residency at Children's Hospital of Philadelphia in oncology focused on pediatrics. And they said, you know, do a rotation at the FDA in the Ophir Products Group. And it changed my life. The six weeks I spent there, I met parents and families begging for access to therapies that companies had but not for those indications or for those diseases. So they said, no, we can't give you access. And the plea that they had to the FDA to get access to these therapies that could extend a life or save a life, I was surprised that the regulations didn't allow for that to happen. Industry didn't feel compelled to make that happen because it was one-off diseases or one-off patients that needed. And I worked with Dr. Marlene Hefner, who was the, the division director became a mentor lifelong for me. And then I said, you know, I can't go and do, I would love to be directly involved with patient care or developing drugs, but to really make a difference, I need to go to quote unquote, the back end called the dark side, pharmaceutical companies and figure out how to do drug development better and easier. Wow. And how to get access that patients need to amazing products that all these companies have in their archives, but they are just not looking at the drugs in a way that I would think about it, which is if you have a drug, Let's not just think about it. Does it work for hypertension, diabetes, or the biggest markets that impact millions and millions of patients? It's not about the volume. But if you look at the mechanism of action of how that drug works, are there rare diseases? Are there genetic things that they can actually impact? And based on that, could we develop the same drug? Yes, you can develop it for hypertension, but why not also develop it for pulmonary arterial hypertension, which could give a different population access to therapy that they don't have access to? So that kind of became my passion, my obsession. Wow. So I did the FDA rotation. I, we were just reminiscing. My preceptor reached out to me a few months ago. And he said, oh, I haven't seen you in a while. And I'm like, wow, 2004 is when I did the research with him at FDA. And now 20 years later, <laughs> a part of me feels old, underaccomplished. And a part of me feels like there's so much more we need to do. <laughs> right, right. No, but you really are making these big waves. And I feel like you are so strategic in your trajectory because you worked with Big Pharma and then it was Gaurav Shah who gave you an opportunity to really build Rocket Pharma from the ground up. And it was like a startup compared to hundreds of thousands of employees. I always wanted to change larger pharmaceutical. I wanted to be less bureaucratic. I wanted to be more about the drugs and the patients. And I learned so much of my time at all of these companies. And I crossed paths with Garo at um, Novartis Pharmaceuticals. And he just reminded me of this. 
I will take no nonsense, no no's. I'm going to make rare disease therapies available and accessible to patients as this person who is kind of not <laughs> an obsessed Where with this. So we kept in touch because he's a brilliant, brilliant oncologist. He's one of the top five nicest, smartest guys I know. And his leadership style is just so inviting for people to be their best selves. So when I was working at BMS, uh, one of my programs became Updebo. So it went from an IND all the way to BLA that's a improving lives of patients in everything from non-small cell lung cancer, metastatic skin cancer to renal cell carcinoma. What I saw is in my lifespan, immune-oncology or immunomodulatory drugs could extend a person's life. So when Gerber called me saying, hey, do you want to extend a life or do you want to change a life? And I said, I would love to change your life. He's like, Weird. I'm starting a company to do one and done a curative potential gene therapy approaches. And we can focus on rare diseases, which is your area of passion, which you want to come over. So it took me about six months to finally agree because going from, I used to joke around, I loved BMS because it was so small, only 26,000 employees at the time. <laughs> right. <laughs> to go from that to third employee at a biotech that wasn't even well-funded at the time. Like, it was a big leap of faith. So I loved it because I joined and a lot of the big pharma companies that I'd worked with said, try it. If it fails, you can always come back. And right. if it succeeds, we're just going to acquire you. And I'm like, no, 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 we're not going to be acquired. I want right. to build the right company bottom up. And so um, Girl has been an amazing leader. The assets we've picked, it's we didn't pick assets because we said, hey, what's the biggest market size? We picked assets because the science made sense. The preclinical models make sense. And we went after diseases that have no treatment options. So all of our diseases, only option available to, to patients, if they're lucky enough, is either a bone marrow transplant or a heart transplant. And most of them diseases impact kids. To me, to work on something that all my life has been my call to action and to build a company around that mission, vision, I feel so lucky and fortunate to be part of this group. Yes. Yes, 100%. I can see it. And we're lucky to have you at the forefront, truly. So just to kind of fill my audience in on the stats, I learned that there are 7,000 rare diseases out there in the world. 80% have genetic origin. Could you tell us about the specific rare diseases that Rocket Pharma is focusing on and the impact in these areas? Definitely. So of the 7,000 diseases, unfortunately, most of them are impacting kids. And about 30% of them that impact kids, these kids don't even make it to the age of five. So what we worked on initially at Rocket are diseases that impact kids. So our products and company started based on Fanconi anemia. Fanconi anemia is a, a blood disorder where, unfortunately, these kids deal up hemoglobin and bone marrow failure that lead to a bone marrow transplant. And even if they get a successful bone marrow transplant, because of the way the disease is, they end up getting secondary tumors and most kids die by the 20s or 30s. So very much unmet medical need. Advocacy groups have been doing research for 30 plus years to find treatment options. And we were lucky to work with initially Fred Hodge in the US and CMAT, which is like the NIH of Spain. And they were both developing drugs differently. So this is one of the unique rocket secret sauce. Instead of competing, our goal has always been collaborative and curiosity. So what we did is we set up a license agreement that allowed both of them to collaborate and share each other's knowledge. And they were working on it for 10, 15, 20 years, but they just hadn't worked directly and shared information. So we became conduit of sharing. And we said, whether we take your drug or your drug or develop our own using your best 
practices and knowledge, everyone's going to have a financial benefit. Everyone's going to have a stake in the ground. And that innovation collaboration really led to an amazing way that a gene therapy could be given to these kids. And this is a program that now actually is approaching BNA and MAA first half of this year. So we're trying to get this drug submitted for review, hopefully approval in the U.S. and Europe this year. So that's really cool. Our first drug that actually has a PDUFA date with FDA action date for hopefully an approval, not going to it by March 31st, is LAD1. LAD1, I mean, talk about devastating. Unfortunately, two-thirds of the kids die by the age of two. In our phase one, two study, we treated nine kids. All nine of them have followed two plus years. Not only are they surviving, no hospitalizations due to infections and no life-threatening things. Some of these kids, they had siblings that passed away with the same disease, and now they're going to daycare and living a normal life. So to see that change, it has been the fuel to our passion. So that's our first drug going from a complete first in human five years ago, record-breaking, drug development efficiencies, collaboration in midst of COVID, not easy, to get to the drug. Because, you know, these kids need it. We can't wait around because they pass away too quickly and they don't have luxury of time. And the other program we have that impacts the heme is PKD, pyruvate kinase deficiency. And on the, the flip side, we also have diseases that impact the heart. So we're working on disease for Dan and disease. It's a heart disease where people had tried to research before and no one thought gene therapy could work for the heart because it's a challenge. And we were really, on one hand, lucky, but worked with amazing scientists and experts to figure out how do we infuse the corrected gene into the patient's body so it can target the heart and reverse their disease. What we found in Dan and disease, which impacts boys and girls, boys unfortunately die by the age of 19 or need a heart transplant. Even if they get a heart transplant, 50% of them don't make it past 10-year survival. We found in our phase one study that all the kids that were invaluable, six out of the seven, all of them are not only into entering their 20s, many of them are entering their 20s without a heart transplant. They're going to college, getting their own apartment. One mom, she reached out to me during Christmas to she, you know, give me an update. And she said, hey, I want to thank you. Unfortunately, I'm going into heart transplant and heart failure. But my son that's been treated with your therapy is helping take care of me. So... You wow. see that. I mean, so at Rocket, we're working on different gene therapy platforms to approach the heart as well as the blood disorders. And our goal is this is only the starting point. If we can make these diseases and drug development happen in a clear benefit risk arena, I think it's starting point is five therapies, then it could be 10 to 20. And we can chip away at those 7,000 diseases for which only about 10% of them actually have a treatment option available right now. So one step at a time, our goal is to do it not just at Rocket, but our goal is to share what we've learned as best practice across the industry, academic institutions, because we need everyone to succeed to really make a big dent for patients that need it. Yes, 100%. How does the process of gene therapy work? Could you walk us through the steps, especially for those who aren't in, in the medical field? So our XV identity therapies are really cool because when you have a genetic mutation or a missing gene, what we do is actually we take the patient's own cells from their body. So when you talk about medicine, when people talk about personalized, this is not personalized. This is individualized medicine. We take the patient's own cells, we put the corrected gene into it, and we give it back to them. 
So that way their body's not fighting off the cells because it's their own cells coming back with the corrected or the missing gene. And this is our ex vivo renti approach. Um, and across different biotechs and, and, and academic institutions in Europe, in Europe, a few hundred patients to date have been treated with that approach for different diseases and really doing very well. What's really cool in Exvivalenti is while it's complicated because you have to take patients on cell, the execution of having that cell be corrected in a very confined way so you don't have any side effects or any contaminations, it takes quite a bit of uh, a journey. Um, but we've developed expertise and we work with experts that can do manufacturing for these products. On the flip side, AAV, it's kind of a little bit of a different thing. It's more like an infusion. Okay. We know that a patient with Ganon disease has a lab 2 gene that's missing, and that's why they're having this heart issue. So we basically give them infused lab 2 gene into it, just like an infusion that you would get as a vaccine, but you have an infusion over 20 to 30 minutes in a hospital. Okay. And over time, this corrected gene goes into different places, and we actually put in tags that allow it to go to directly to the heart in most cases. Um, so it goes yes. to the heart, repopulates the heart with the good gene, which could actually clean out the manifestation on a physiological and clinical levels. And essentially, that's how it works. And we're not aiming into the, the, the future of, you know, taking a gene and snipping it and all of that. We're just working on monogenic diseases at this point where we can easily replace missing or, or incorrect gene. And just with that, the amount of patients we can impact is um, enormous, at least 10 plus thousand patients, if not more. My goodness, that's brilliant. I guess I, the challenge that I'm seeing here is in pediatrics, you mentioned earlier that you are you know, running against the clock. And if a newborn has this two-year lifespan, how do they get the treatment and do the clinical trials and all of that on time to you know, make sure that they do survive? Um, so first and foremost, what I would say is, you know your child. When they're born, if something doesn't feel right, don't take a no for an answer from any healthcare provider. Get them tested and get them evaluated. Genetic testing could go a long way in figuring out what the disease is. One third of the kids with rare disease die without even knowing what kind of disease they had, right? So if you don't even know what you have, how do you seek treatment option? So hurdle number one, get genetic testing in full workup so you know what it is that you're looking for and fighting. Right. Number two, Institutions like the NIH in the U.S., institutions like the um, rare genetic diseases in India, there are institutions devoted to genetic disease and, and rare diseases. If you reach out to them, they can give you access to what are all the clinical studies available that are going on. You can even go to clinicaltrials.gov, which has all of the studies going on in the U.S., and look up that gene or the disease to see if any stunt therapies are available. And if uh, there's a clinical trial, you're in luck because, again, if you know the disease, it's a rarity that the, a drug is being developed for it or approved for it. So to get to that far is a great step forward. And then just reach out to, in those websites. They'll have which hospitals are conducting these studies or which companies. Reach out directly to them to get access to see if your kid could qualify for those therapies. And to me, what I love is I've had parents that said, hey, I'm willing to enroll my kid into this innovative platform because even if it doesn't work for my child, if we can learn something, if this can become available for other kids that have the similar diseases, it's very 
holistic thinking of how to give back to the community with such unmet medical need. And that's what I love about the rare disease community is everyone kind of feels alone in their own disease and journey. But if you look at all the rare diseases, all the parents and the family members of loved ones impacted, they unite in the common causes of how do we get the right diagnosis? How do we get access to therapy? And if nothing exists in clinical trials, I've met, I've had good function of meeting amazing parents that started research and got all these grants from FDA and other places to start working with scientists and, and literature to figure out how do we develop a therapy before it's too late. I actually talked to a mom four months ago that said, my kid has a rare disease, no one's working on it. Can you help me advise what are the clinical research grants that are available? And I gave them advice of where they can apply for grants so they can actually get the nonprofit organization to do that work. And to me, that's giving hope. Wow. Yes, absolutely it is. I mean, this reminds me of a film I saw when I was just 10 years old with my family. I'm sure you know it, but Lorenzo's Oil. Yes. It's been a while. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I just remember having this almost visceral response to how this mother stayed up late at night researching, you know, what her child had, which um, ended up being ALD and, you know, was the best advocate that her son could have asked for. And they made sure to find out about the rare disease and get the treatment that he needed. This is really a rally cry to parents that if you know that your your child is suffering from a rare disease, trust that mom sense and dad sense of yours, that, that intuition that you have to truly like put in that work and research and then an advocate. And like the mother you mentioned, she asked if there were any trials going on that her child could participate in do that, join the support groups, uh, get involved because that could save your child's life. And, you know, um, there is an organization called National Organization for Rare Diseases, NORD. NORD and, and its sister organization is Yodras in Europe. There are other organizations around pretty much every country that has supported patients and families to connect with other patients and families with rare diseases and have that community support available from research to just management. Because I think the other thing that people forget is when your loved one's impacted, whether it's your mom, your dad, your kids, your siblings, it's not just impacting that one person, it impacts the entire family, right? Yes. And it takes a village to get through that. And and so there are support systems available to get them access to the, how do you become a better caregiver? What can you do to help? And how do you become a better advocate for your loved one? And so to me, we don't have to always do grassroots efforts. There are things that others have done that we can leverage. And I think it's absolutely better to leverage things, some things that have been developed as best practices. And, you know, to me, what's really cool is the Nord organization actually was started by a mom. Oh, my goodness. That was fighting. And there was no Orphan Drug Act. There was no regulations anywhere in the world that supported um, research for rare disease or access to therapy. So she became an advocate in Connecticut and she started writing letters to everyone, um, all the senators and all the speakers of the house. And then she even reached out to Hollywood and they actually made a TV show back in the, I want to say seventies or eighties, eighties, uh -huh. where they, I think 83 or 84, where they actually had a rare disease patient activity in there to give recognition that rare disease exists. She became the force that started the Orphan Drug Act. And that became a U.S. thing that went to the rest of the world. And to, her name is Abby Myers. And at Rocket, 
three years ago, we brought her in at a rare disease event and we interviewed Abby Myers. She's now a retired grandma. And, Aww. you know, we said, what made you do this and why? And what keeps you going? And she's devoted her life to making rare disease patients have hope, which is brilliant. Oh, my goodness. Ah, that's so heartwarming. I love that. And just the power that that we have, you know, as parents to really drive the needle forward is just amazing to think about. Is there a mom sense moment that you can pinpoint? And by that, I mean, you know, your built in sixth sense, your own intuition. I mean, you're working with families who trust theirs all the time. So one of the things we realize, um, complete mom sense is when we were running clinical studies, you know, after we treated the first few patients at Rocket, I wanted to go personally meet, not a CRO, not a physician, not an outsourced team member, to go meet the parents that went through the clinical studies, right? And they said, you don't have time. You don't need to go all the way to California or do this or that, right? To me, I said, the reason is really simple. I don't want to talk about the drug and its impact. I want to talk about gene therapy is scary, right? Um, clinical trials is 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 scarier. So yeah. I want to understand how do the parents feel as they came across the, our clinical trial? What was their journey? And what can right. we do to ease um, their pains and nervousness? So the feedback we got from the parents was actually remarkable. One of the moms said, hey, instead of having me at a hotel and going back and forth to the clinical site, which is within a mile, I appreciate it. I'd love to, if I'm going to be here for a few weeks, I'd love to cook things and, and make things that are just, you know, heartwarming food for our family. So we said, oh, that's a great feedback. So we ended up getting temporary housing with with kitchen, right? Little things yes. like that that they get feedback on made a world of a difference. And when a, when a loved one has a rare disease and they're going through something unknown, whatever you can do to make their experience as, as, as smoother as possible is so important. Things like that and things about how do we actually define a gene therapy in a very understandable way for these parents and family members that are going through it. Feedback like that made a world of a difference. And people said, why did you do that? I'm like, if I was a parent, I don't want to know. I want to make it as comfortable as possible for my kid and my loved one. So let's not assume, let's hear firsthand what actually matters to these parents and these families. And let's incorporate as much as we can in what we do. So we yeah. we pride ourselves on making sure that we do as much as possible to make their journey as informed, as 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 clear cut, and as comfortable as possible. A one hundred percent, my goodness! And the fact that you went, you go the extra mile. Oh my goodness! It must provide the most peace of mind to these families. It's so wonderful that you take that step and do that. That's really a testament to your character. What message do you have for all of us listening about International Rare Disease Day and how we can help support and you know get involved? One in 10 Americans have a rare disease. You may or may not know who around you in your ecosystem, in your village has it, right? But truly to be an advocate, um, you can do something simple as just hashtag rare disease day or light up anything that you can find, right? We are joking that, you know, Christmas lights can be provided to our team members so all their houses light up in rare disease colors for that night. So the neighborhood can start talking about what is that for? It's not our holiday. And just start the conversation that there are things like rare diseases exist. These impact hundreds of millions of people around the world. And 
on February 29th, Rocket, we started about six, I think, years ago, light up for rare. So we lit up Empire State Building to Niagara Falls to Coliseum in Rome to even giant stadiums. So it's not just, you know, traditional things. Anything right. could be lit up to start that conversation of what is those, what are those colors for? Oh, it's rare disease day. What does that mean? Uh, what can we do to support? How do we promote genetic testing? And how do we promote more research to be done? Because let's be honest, if it impacted you and your loved ones, you'd want somebody to do the research and you want somebody to have that sense of urgency and that importance of making therapies available for them. So let's help the community as a whole. What about those who want to get involved with Rocket Pharma's efforts and, you know, join the company, the team? We love people with like-minded passion and the drive, right? So I, I kind of say at Rocket, I have these three pillars. It's about our pipeline. It's about our patients. It's about our people and our team. And the mm-hmm. one group that connects all three of us is our passion for rare diseases and, and making sure no rare diseases exist. Maybe not in our life generation, but if we can do well by our kids and the STEM efforts, maybe by next generation, we can make sure every patient that has a rare disease has a treatment option available. So if you're interested in joining Rare Disease Day at Rocket, we actually have an event at uh, Liberty Life Science this year. Mm-hmm. And we have a webcast available as well. So you can join as webcast. There'll be education information from genetic testing to hearing the importance of rare diseases and the struggles people feel to clinical trial information, just in general, not about rocket specific, but how do we help patients around the world get basic information so we can educate the community. Um, so yes. that's going on. We are going to light up for rare Empire State Building, Niagara Falls, all these places and more are lighting up in universities, which is kind of exciting. So we'd love to have people participate in that. And the third is if you'd like to join Rocket Team, just look at our rocketpharma.com website and join us and, and reach out to us. We love having people join in our mission and our vision because it will really take a lot of people and a lot of dedication to to eradicate these diseases. And lastly, to close out, do you have a quote that you live by? The world you enter, leave it in a better place than you found it and do whatever you can to make that happen. And that's kind of my life motto. It's not exactly a quote, but it's my life motto. Mm, Yeah, it's your mantra. It's your dharam. It's what you're following every day. And we see that. And especially through this conversation, you're truly living by that. And lastly, where can my listeners find you, follow you and your work? I'm on my LinkedIn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. LinkedIn and Rocket Pharma. Anything associated with Rocket Pharma I'm associated with. Yes. Um, to me, Rocket Pharma is my first baby or my second baby. That's debatable. Aside from that, I'm not as socially active as I should be. Social media is something that I know my team is helping me get there. I'm a more of a lab scientist. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you speak so eloquently, and you know, the more that we see you, the more everybody gets to know just the incredible work and you know efforts that you have in your life. So I feel fortunate to find a passion and to find people around me that advocate and support me to make a difference with that passion. So I hope everyone is able to lean on each other to get better and, and honestly support others to succeed and be their best selves. So I think that's what's helped me become where I'm at and, and, and to make the impact that I can make. Yes, yes. Thank you so much, Kenry. It was a pleasure speaking with you. And I'm so glad we get to amplify what you're doing and Rare Disease Day. Thank you so much. 
Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's such a pleasure. I love being here and I, I love your, your take on integrating life and work and passion. So thank you. Rare Disease Day is the last day of February. So that's either February 28th or the 29th on a leap year. And it is our mission to raise awareness and generate change for the 300 million people worldwide who are living with a rare disease. It was a joy having Kinnery Patel on the show today to speak more about it and why she's so passionate about making strides in this field. And she's helping numerous families navigate rare diseases. You can learn more about Kinnery and the entire team at rocketpharma.com. They have incredible medical advancements when it comes to gene therapy. And I know I'm learning a ton by navigating their website. It was wonderful to make this interview happen because the parents listening to it are truly going to benefit in getting involved in rare disease awareness um, and seeking support if they have a young one who's suffering from one. You can find excerpts of this interview on Instagram. Just follow me at, at Kanika Chadda Gupta and on my website, thatstotalmomsense.com. You can email me at thatstotalmomsense at gmail.com. Remember, always trust your mom sense and dad sense. Stay strong, super parents. I'll see you next time.